Hello everyone, hope you can hear me. Hope this is working. This is probably the strangest thing that I have ever done, which is speaking into a, an empty room, into a camera with you all watching, but hopefully God will use it for our good and, and his glory. Um, sorry if you see more of the top of my head than normal, but my notes are here, the camera's there, and it's just getting used to it all, but hopefully this will all work out. Uh, trust you got the email. Perhaps you've had an opportunity to read the, the scriptures. Perhaps you've been able to sing or at least watch the videos. Perhaps you've prayed together already. And we're going to turn to Psalm 62 in just a few moments and uh, read together. But let me encourage you, if you can, there's, there's the kids' materials that Matt put together. You can print out and the kids can do. We've also tried to put sermon notes together so that you can... Um, uh, follow along the quotes are on there and so forth and the points as well because there's obviously no PowerPoint so hopefully you can do that and if you want to it'd be great to snap a, a picture of you and whoever you're with your family uh, send it to me whatsapp text email and then hopefully we can share them around and encourage everyone that we're all meeting together even though we can't be together physically good stuff hope you got your Bible uh, Psalm 62 if you would and I'm gonna read all the way through. Then we'll pray and then we'll jump in. Psalm 62. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him? like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, my, oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation and my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock and my refuge is God. So trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. Together they are lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to to his work. Let me pray for us. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to meet, as it were, together via technology this morning. We thank you for your word. And Lord, even though uh, it's going to take some getting used to, to watch on a screen, to preach to an empty room, Lord, I pray that what would be consistent would be that we would hear your voice speaking to us and encouraging us. We pray that you would do that through Psalm 62 right now. For our good and the, the glory of Jesus, we pray. 
Amen. Amen. Good stuff. Well, <clears throat> it seems like whales and seals, big cats like tigers and snow leopards have all been classed as endangered species over the years. And now if you watch the news and you read the newspapers and you get online, there's the sense that because of what is happening with the coronavirus and COVID-19, that humans are on the endangered species list. And that can leave us discouraged and depressed and threatened and anxious and fearful. Honestly, if you are a little bit like me and Claire, we've faced moments over the last week or two where we thought that what's going on, it doesn't make any sense. It, I can't believe that this is happening. What is going on? And especially as Christians, we, we can think that the, and, and look out and see the current experience of what we're doing and what's happening in our world. And it just seems so vastly different to God's self-revelation in his word. And it can be hard for us to see how what we're going through is either good or wise. And there are moments of doubt that set in. And it's hard to see God and his steadfast love and his power when the storm clouds are gathering above us. And the question can come to our minds, have we really staked our life on the right thing? Well, in Psalm 62, the author David uh, knows exactly what that feels like. He knows exactly what it feels like to be on the endangered species list. And he knows what it's like to be on the brink of tottering over and collapsing into ruin. The psalm was composed, it seems likely, uh, while David was in a difficult situation, circumstances were pressing in on him, uh, and it was still incredibly intense. He hadn't received answers to prayer nor deliverance. You can tell that if you look at verses 3 and 4, that his trouble isn't right over uh, or, or over right now. He's surrounded by enemies, and he describes himself as a leaning wall or a tottering fence, a little bit like when we drive through the countryside here and you see those dry stone walls that are, are crumbling and falling over. Or if you come and look in my back garden, you'll see the, the fence that has been damaged by Storm Kira and then Storm Dennis and it's tottering, ready to collapse and fall over if it wasn't propped up. And that's how David describes himself. He feels in a precarious position. He's facing threats that are real and close and imminent and intense but in the midst of the unfolding desperate situation that surrounds him when he's feeling his most vulnerable and fragile and weak what you see is that he is uh, his enduring faith in God is formed one commentator on this particular psalm says this scarcely anywhere do we find faith in God more nobly asserted more victoriously triumphant, the vanity of man and of human strength and riches more clearly confessed, and courage in the midst of peril more calm and more unshaken than in this psalm. So Psalm 62 is a psalm for you and for me, especially in the midst of the coronavirus and all of its social and economic implications breathing down our necks. In those haunting moments when we feel most vulnerable, in the face of this microscopic yet world-altering virus. In those moments when we feel like our world or our life is going to crumble. In those moments when we're tempted to panic about our jobs or about our health or about our loved ones. What do we do? Well, we do what David did 
in Psalm 62. He preaches the truth about God to his soul. Now the surprise in Psalm 62 is that it's not addressed to God. It's not a psalm that even includes a petition or a prayer to God. In fact, much of the psalm is David speaking to himself and then turning to his reader, to us, to speak to us as well. Yet that doesn't make Psalm 62 man-centred. In fact, it's radically God-centred because what he says to himself and what he says to us is all about God. And that's because that's where his hope is. His only hope is to be found in God. So we might say it like this. David is, uh, uh, God is David's soul hope, S-O-U-L, soul hope, and God is David's soul help, S-O-L-E. Soul hope, soul help. And there's three things that we'll see from this psalm that uh, we can learn from David's experience and his example when he's facing, in, when he's in the midst of intense challenges and difficulties. Three things that will serve us, I hope, during this coronavirus challenge. The first thing is this. We see David's silent hope in a sovereign God. David's silent hope in a sovereign God. Look with me at verses 1 to 4. David doesn't tell us enough to know the when or the where or exactly what is happening to him. But we do know that he's in trouble, as we've already said. But in verse 1, you see his response. He's telling his soul to remember who God is and that God is the source, the only source of his hope and help. So we read Psalm 62 verse 1, for God alone my soul waits in silence, from him comes my salvation. We don't find David murmuring or complaining against God, neither do we find him murmuring or complaining to the people of God about the situation that he's in and that God has forgotten him. Instead he goes to God. He acknowledges his trust in God. He declares that he has staked his very life on the all-sufficient God. Because there he finds salvation. And he calls to mind three beautiful and encouraging pictures of who this God is that he's trusting in. So he calls him the rock. That God is an unshakable, unmovable unbreakable, unchangeable, permanent, firm foundation upon which he can stand and upon which he can build his life. He calls him his salvation, that God is the one who rescues and delivers him from his troubles, from the hands of all that threatens him, from all of his foes. And he calls God his fortress, that God is his mighty castle. It's the place that he can flee and hide to, that it's his refuge that he can go to to find shelter and safety and protection from all that threatens to knock him down. His rock, his salvation, his fortress. And so David says he quiets his soul. He silences himself before this God, that he pushes out all of the other voices that are vying for his attention and the cacophony of noise that comes from fear and anxiety and anger and he focuses on God alone. Now what does it mean when he says his soul is silenced or he waits in silence before God? Well that word silence carries this and conveys the meaning of uh, unmurmuring submission to God and to God's will. 
In Numbers 11 verses 4 to 6 we see this story of how the Israelites uh, had been freed from slavery in Egypt and they're walking through the wilderness and then a rabble among them which has a strong craving for food begins to murmur and complain to the people of God about the providence of God. And they say, oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt that cost nothing and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlics. But now our strength is dried up and there's nothing but this manna to look at. David doesn't do that. David does, refuses to be like those Israelites in the wilderness who have, who have been freed from slavery. They've enjoyed the grace of God, but they turn it back in his face and complain. He won't spread discouragement amongst God's people by grumbling against God's good providence. Instead, he says he will wait. He will quiet his heart. He will silence his will in submission to God's will. Now, for you and I at this point in time, that the natural inclination when we come under attack is to run often. It's to flee from whatever our foe is. And we run somewhere else often other than God to find our help and our salvation. And it didn't come naturally to David either. It was a choice that he made. It was a choice that he determined to do, that it was the best thing. In fact, it was the only thing that he could do to run to God, to hide himself in his refuge, in his fortress, on the rock, and to find salvation in his all-sufficient God. And so for us right now, it's a choice. Either we can angrily complain to God, why is this happening? I don't deserve to be treated like this. Why is my holiday being cancelled? Why are my kids home from school? Why can't I go to work? What is happening to me? Or we can choose to suppress our tendency to grumble by waiting on God. We can cling to his promises. We can submit to his word. We can bow before his sovereignty. Recognising that in any tight situation that we face, God and God alone is our rock, our salvation and our fortress. Our sole hope and our sole help. So during this coronavirus pandemic, let's, let's be people who call out to God that we, we silently hope We call out to God. We say, Lord, give us grace to realise that you are our salvation, that you're our hope, that you're where we have to run to in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of viruses and trials and temptations and losses, that you're the only place we can go to because you're the only place that we can find help, true help. You're the only place that we can find true hope. You're the only place that we can find sure and certain ground to rest upon and trust in. So our knees may knock, but our firm foundation is sure. God is our rock, our fortress and our salvation. Charles Spurgeon, the Victorian Baptist preacher, said it like this. Blessed posture, waiting truly and only upon the Lord. Be this our condition all this day and every day. Waiting his leisure waiting in his service, waiting in joyful expectation, waiting in prayer and content. When the very soul thus waits, it is in the, in the best and truest condition of a creature before his creator, a servant before his master, 
a child before his father. We allow no dictation to God, nor complaining of him. We will permit no petulance and no distrust. At the same time, we practice no running before the cloud and no seeking to others for aid. Neither of these would be waiting upon God. God and God alone is the expectation of our hearts. Blessed assurance, he continues, from him salvation is coming. It is on the road. It will come from him and from no one else. He shall have all of the glory in it. For he alone can and will perform it. And he will perform it most surely in his own time and manner. He will save from doubt and suffering and slander and distress. Though we see no sign of it yet, we are satisfied to bide the Lord's will. For we have no suspicion of his love and faithfulness. He will make sure work of it before long, and we will praise him at once for the coming mercy. So when under attack, go to God and hang on. So that's the first thing we see. We see David's silent hope in a sovereign God. But secondly, we see David's patient hope in a sovereign God. And this is verses 5 through eight. So after his confident declaration in verses one and two, in verses three and four, his eyes sort of shift and slip a little bit to his enemies and his mind uh, perhaps starts to wander to the situation and the threats. And so he says, my God is my rock and my salvation and my fortress. I will not be greatly shaken. Even though perhaps in that moment, as he thinks about them, he is perhaps a little bit shaken. And that's true for us, isn't it? Right now in the coronavirus pandemic, we might feel the tremors of what is happening in our world, the great shaking that is taking place. As we live in times where shops are closing, pubs, restaurants, clubs, leisure centres, gyms, where there's panic buying, where the schools are closed, where we're told to work at home and self-isolate and socially distance ourselves. And who knows what's coming down the next few days. We're not spared the trouble or the disruption that others face just because we're Christians, just because we have the Holy Spirit within. We don't have any special immunity. But nothing, nothing can shake us from the grip of God's gracious hold upon our lives. We can stand upon the firm foundation and hope in him, God alone. And, though, and even though David's mind perhaps slips in verses 3 and 4, he quickly regathers and regroups himself in verses five and six and he repeats much of the truth in verses one and two for God alone O my soul wait in silence for my hope is from him he only is my rock and my salvation and my fortress I shall not be shaken on God rests my salvation and my glory my mighty rock and my refuge is God and it's a gracious reminder that even in the midst of the troubles that we face, we, we need to continue to speak the truth to ourselves. We need to continue to speak the truth of who God is. His, he is our rock, our refuge, our fortress and our salvation. Because this side of heaven, we will not reach perfect composure and peace. We will not reach a time where all of our anxiety is gone and we can live a life free of worry and concern. 
where the trials of life are just like water off a duck's back to us. No, we have to fight. We have to keep on refocusing and looking away from the foes and looking away from the danger and looking away from the trouble and fixing our eyes on our only hope, God alone. And that's what David does in verses five to seven. He preaches a two-point sermon to himself. And the two points are this, wait and trust. Wait on God and trust in God. Be patient for God. Wait for God to appear. Wait for God to deliver. Wait for God to answer prayer. Wait for God to show his mighty hand. And while you're waiting, trust him. David preaches to himself. He's like saying to himself, David, listen up. Be patient. God's ways are not your ways. God's timing is not your timing. God's plan has not been revealed to you. How he's going to use this circumstance is not something he spelled out to you in advance. So you're just going to have to do one thing. Wait. If your hope really is in him, David, he says to his own soul, you're going to have to wait. You're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to submit yourself to God's will. You're going to have to submit yourself to God's timetable. You're going to have to submit yourself to God's plan. And then you're going to have to trust. You're going to have to believe. You're going to have to believe that God is wise, that God is good, that God is powerful, that God cares for you, that God is going to make sense out of this when it doesn't look like it's going to make sense, and that God is going to protect you. You're going to have to believe all of God's promises. And then having said that, if you like, to his own soul, he turns around in verse 8 and he tells us to do exactly the same thing. Trust in him at all times, O peoples. Pour out your hearts before him, for God is a refuge for us. So then he turns and he he preaches a two-point sermon to us, but this time it's trust and pray. So David was waiting and trusting, but he says now to us, trust and pray. Pour out our hearts to God. Now that's not contradictory to the silence that he called for in verses 1 and in verse 5. No, we're silent when it comes to murmuring and complaining against God. But we're noisy when it comes to pouring out our hearts and our concerns and our anxieties to our Heavenly Father who cares for us. David calls us to unburden ourselves to God, to empty out all of our anxieties and our confusions and our struggles and our pain onto God because he can handle it, because he tells us to. There are a few things more in life that will cause us to pour out our hearts to God than uh, when everything seems to be going wrong. And you wonder if you're really going to make it. Pour out your heart to God. David calls us to earnest prayer. So as this coronavirus seems to be weighing heavy and is seemingly a formidable foe, what can we do? Well, we wash our hands. We sneeze into a tissue. We catch it, bin it, kill it. We self-isolate. We socially distance we follow the government advice but we run to God we preach truth to ourselves we run to the rock we run to God our salvation we run to God our fortress we run to a God who can be trusted at all times and we discover that in doing that he is a God who is bigger than anything we currently or ever will face We'll find him to be our refuge. We will never 
be shaken out of his eternal grip. See how David's confidence has grown. In verse uh, 2 he says, I will not be greatly shaken. But here in verse 6 he says, no, I will never be shaken. So we see David's silent hope in God in a sovereign God and we see David's patient hope in a sovereign God and then the third thing he tells us is about the character of our sovereign God why we can silently and patiently hope in him and that's verses 9 through 12. Now in verses 9 and 10 he reflects again on his enemies but this time his perspective is different because he's looking down from the rock from the fortress and he's got a different view he's got a God's eye view on his enemies and on his foes and he realizes that the trouble that was surrounding him that was so acute to him in verses 3 and 4 when he weighs that in a balance in comparison to God well there's no comparison he says they're like breath they're like smoke they weigh lighter than air they're nothing and then in verses 11 and 12 he reminds himself of who his God is that power belongs to his God that God is powerful and strong that he's sovereign and in control of all of the events of history including David's challenges and our challenges that right now it might look like all the power lies with this microscopic virus that's bringing the world to its knees it might look like the power is with the government who is making promises to preserve and to protect the economy in our society but David here reminds us that true power real power only belongs to God that we shouldn't be fooled by outward appearances God alone has the power to save that's what jesus said in matthew 28 when he was about to leave his disciples and ascend into heaven he said all authority all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me and i will be with you both now until the end of the age so David reminds us that we can put silent hope and patient hope in God because to him belongs all the power. But something else belongs to God. He tells us then that steadfast love belongs to God. That God is a God who has committed himself to his people in a never stopping, never giving up, always unbreakable, forever, unshakable, unchangeable, permanent covenant love. In the modern world around us, power and love often don't go together. But in the everlasting word, here in Psalm 62, we find that power and love belong to God fully and completely. And they can never be separated. If God had power but not love, he would uh, be able to save us, but he would have no inclination to do so. And if God had love but no power... He would have every desire to save us, but he just wouldn't be able to accomplish it. But here David tells us that God has both power and steadfast love. And he extends them towards his people for our good. That's most clearly seen, isn't it, in Jesus Christ, who left his throne in heaven and came down to a sin-cursed and sin-afflicted world where he lived amongst sin-sick people like you and me. And he didn't wear a mask or a chemical protective suit, but he breathed the same air as us. 
He ate the same food as us. He lived among us and with us, touching us, speaking with us, laughing with us. And he did all of that so that he might die for us, bearing the, the curse of sin and the punishment for sin that we so richly deserved. And Jesus was mocked and beaten and betrayed and crucified on a cross for us. And in that moment where things didn't make sense, God was working in power and love to save us, to be our refuge and our rock and our fortress. Jesus died on a cross in isolation, separated and excluded from his people, distant from his father, that he might provide sin sick people like you and me with the antidote that we needed so that we could receive healing and salvation. And on the third day he rose again and now is alive today and he offers to all of us this salvation, the forgiveness of sins, freedom from the punishment of sins, freedom from the curse of sin, freedom from the sickness of sin. And he promises us eternal life, an everlasting life and true life if we will place our hope, if we will run to him, if we will declare him to be our rock and our refuge and our fortress and our salvation. And when we do that, God's own presence and his peace that is freely given to all who trust in Jesus Christ will be ours. So in the midst of this current situation, run to Jesus Hide yourself in him. Trust him. He is our rock and our redeemer. And when we do that, we shall not be shaken. We can know God's peace, his true and real peace right now in real life. We can know what David knows. What does David say? And look at the word that he uses that's repeated five times in verses one and two and nine times in verses five to seven. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation and my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation and my fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. We can know what David knew. That, not, that God is not just a rock and a refuge and a help generally, but personally, intimately. He can be our, your, my rock, and my refuge, and my fortress. That this transcendent and holy and massive and powerful and compassionate God who is bigger than all threats, who is, he's not so preoccupied with the universe that he forgets about us. He is our God. He knows you personally and he knows me personally. And he has saved you. And he is your rock and your redeemer and your salvation, and your fortress. Let that assure our souls during this time. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for the word 
of truth that we find in Psalm 62, that you alone are our God, our rock, our salvation, and our fortress. And when we trust in you at all times, you are our refuge. We shall not be shaken. Lord, may we trust in you during this time. And may we experience both your power and your steadfast love and mercy, upholding us, sustaining us and strengthening us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening.